Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron, and Matt's out with his baby, being a good daddy. So I'm here, and I'm going to talk about something that Matt doesn't even like. Today we are talking about Game of Thrones, and I have a special guest in the house. I have my brother-in-law, Brian Duffy. What's going on, Brian? How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing great. So yeah, today we're talking about Game of Thrones, and you are a huge Game of Thrones fan. I am. I uh, check all the boxes. I'm a book nerd. I read everything George R. R. Martin's written for the most part, and Deep dive on the show, Reddit threads, all of that good stuff. So, yes, I am apparently more well-versed than Matt is, and he's the one person in the world that doesn't like Game of Thrones. It's so funny. He's like, I'm not into, like, swords and sandals, and I have I have a clip that I'm going to play right now, which is my response to him. Come on. You're going to complain after that awesome action chase sequence that literally is going in two directions at once and then crashes into each other? It's like, what else do you want? It's super fun. That's him talking about the Matrix sequel, Matrix Reloaded, mm. and to that I just say, Matt... It's super fun. Game of Thrones is amazing. You have dragons. You have so much crazy violence. I mean, there's tons of nudity. It's awesome. I don't know why anybody wouldn't like Game of Thrones. So yeah, you read all the books. How many books are there? There are five books out so far in the Song of Ice and Fire series, which is the Game of Thrones show. But there are also some prequel, or they're not quite prequels, but they're novellas. They're short stories, which is kind of one character point of view called Dunkin' Egg series. I've read those. And then there are some greater world books like the Fire and Blood is the new one that just came out, I think, around Christmas time, which is just the kind of the first history of the Targaryens. And then there's a world of ice and fire, which is the history of all of Westeros, which kind of explains the origins of the great houses and the whole world that George R. R. Martin built. So there's a crap ton of pages. There's so much information. <laughs> it's like he wants to write everything about expanding the world without finishing the storyline of the story that everyone's interested in. That's right. There's still there's still one more book that they're waiting on, right? Well, we're waiting on Winds of Winter, which isn't even the last book in the series. There's supposed to be two more books to finish off. But a lot of people, if you go down Reddit threads, are doubtful that that's how it's going to be because it was originally supposed to be a trilogy and then it was supposed to be five books. And now it's supposed to be seven books. But who knows? Because he keeps adding characters and points of view and it keeps expanding. So people are really doubtful whether or not it's ever going to actually end. Oh my gosh. I, I I don't think it possibly can end. And I think this is also going to be one of the first book series that its ending is completely influenced by Reddit. Like I totally see George R. R. Martin like on a Reddit thread being like, uh, you know, book nerd 77. How do you guys think this should end? Just asking for a friend, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's totally possible. And he, there's a, so there's a wiki of ice and fire, which I forget that the people <laughs> who run it, but it's, it's, he leans on that for background because he's, forgotten about his own characters and not to go off on a tangent but there's a i guess it could still be true in the show so you know the red wedding there's a yeah. there's a popular theory that in there's a completely a book theory so in the books it's the characters are a little bit different rob starks marries jane westerling instead of i forget her charlie name charlie chaplin's, charlie chaplin's exactly i was going to describe her through charlie chaplin which is maybe not the most <laughs> um, proper way to do it but so he marries someone else um from the westerlings who are like a sub they're underneath the Lannisters so it's like a big intrigue thing and she doesn't attend the Red Weddings it would be insulting to the phrase who obviously spurned them to marry her in the first place and so you you get all points of view in the book and the Red Wedding happens and Rob Stark dies yeah and so Catelyn's description of Jane Westerling the first time he meets her Rob Stark's wife and everything 
is much different than a book later. Jamie meets her and the description is completely different. So the deep dive conspiracy theory is that Jane Westling's being stowed away somewhere raising Rob Stark's baby because they put an imposter in her place. And that's why the descriptions <laughs> are different. And so, but George R. R. Martin wrote The Red Wedding and it was like a middle finger to everyone who thought of that theory. Because I think what probably happened is just he forgot how he described her because she's <laughs> such a kind of in the grand scheme of things, not an important character, like her plot device moves things along, but her description isn't important. And so he's just like, well, we're just going to put Rob Stark's wife there and just like literally stab her in the stomach to make sure people don't think that Rob Stark's hidden baby is going to be important somewhere. So ridiculous. And like, this is the sort of thing that happened with Lost is like people figured out they're like, like early on the internet was like, oh, I bet they're just uh, on purgatory or whatever. And the writers were like, no, no, that's not. What <laughs> so they tried to do everything they could to prove the internet wrong. And then we're like, yeah, they're in purgatory. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no way yeah. to go. So we are living in a post game of Thrones world. This, I think, I think it's safe to say this is one of the biggest media sensations of all time. Like, I, I don't know yeah. how, I don't know what the end viewership was, but I think up until this point, one of the ones that they always say is the, the mash series finale was the most watched thing of all times i think it's safe to say game of thrones beat it and i also am glad that mash wasn't around in the internet era so yeah. people like that ending sucked yeah that's true i mean i'm sure people i've never seen mash or a single <laughs> no. episode in my life other than flipping through and yeah. realizing i didn't want to watch it and continuing to flip <laughs> but i imagine that yeah people would have had an issue with it and they just didn't have the same outlet to complain to about it about like it. we have today so for the ending Thumbs up, thumbs down. Where where are you on the ending? So I am. I think I'm in the minority. I I guess to give some background is I love everything about Game of Thrones, and yeah. I'm forever grateful to Benioff and Weiss for putting this into my life, and it's given me hundreds of hours of entertainment and everything. So hell yeah, they have kind of with me. They've gotten a hundred percent a free pass. So. I recognize there are faults with the last season and the ending, but I was glued to my TV screen all of season eight. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't and have I a bad like time. The, I don't have an issue where things ended up. I think they were a victim of being, you know, having 10 hours of or 10 episodes and being cut down to six and having to squeeze everything in. So it felt rushed. It felt yeah. like a race toward the finish line. And there weren't as there wasn't as much nuance or things explored as sure. as I would have liked, but I could have said that if they had 20 episodes in the last season too. It's just so I'm, I'm happy with where everyone ended up. I think it, it was their vision of it. I know people, it's certainly possible to nitpick. And you know, you, you mentioned that your Matt was defending, you know, the matrix scene and everything. <laughs> I still, I think, you know, the dark Knight rises is still an awesome movie. I, of course it has its faults, <laughs> but it is fantastic. It's so entertaining to me. Like I get it. We've nerded out about this before. Yeah. The, it's like the, the dark Knight rises <laughs> still has its merits. It still like, has merits. Yeah. If you want to you know, nitpick and be like, Oh, how did he light the flaming bat signal when he walked into Gotham after breaking it? It's like, yeah, you're thinking too much. You think too hard about it. It's just enjoy it for what it is. It's like, Super yes, fun. it has, has problems. Problems. What Super entertaining. Exactly. Well, like Game of Thrones is one of those things like I am totally on the same page. I am. I have never read any of the books. I tried to read the first book and I was like, "Ooh, this is dry. Yeah, this is desert dry. So slow. But I, I've never read the books, but I've been so entertained with the show. And I would have liked a couple more episodes to, to just flesh it out more. But the ending was nothing that I didn't say. That's what we deserve. Yeah. That's what it was supposed to be. That makes sense to me. My only complaint, I have been such a hater of Bran because the whole yeah. time I'm like, you have not justified this character to me. And then you're making him king. And again, I will give it to them because it makes sense the way they explain it. But at the same time, all I've seen Bran do is roll his eyes back in his head and be like, see you later. And then peace the fuck out. And then Bran is like, you have this 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 raven power. You can go into animals and you do nothing with it. Like there was a massive battle 
at your yeah. house and you didn't use animal powers to be like, they're coming from the west side. Go over there, guys. Well, if he can see the future, you didn't be like, yeah, Danny's going to burn all of King's Landing. We should probably <laughs> stop that from happening. It's like, if he is he just manipulative to be like, well, then they're going to name me King. So I guess we got to let this happen. But it's, I, I understand that completely. And Bran is for fantasy people. I think people are really interested in his storyline, his powers. I think it's clear that the, the showrunners didn't care about Bran. They cut him out of his entire season. He and was I think, just there to be creepy. I mean, once he became the Three-Eyed Raven, I think they were waiting for George R. R. Martin to put out more books, maybe, to figure out what to do with him, because they didn't know how his powers would evolve or what would he would be. And then they were like, oh, I guess we got to end the show, so we'll just kind of make it up as we go along. And they, they just clearly didn't care about him. So is he Professor X? Yeah, exactly. Is he like, what, what kind of powers? Can he time travel? What's going on here? You had a great insight to why he looks so creepy in the show. Yeah. So I read this in an interview yeah. and I think it was it was either Sophie Turner or someone. But so Bran was, you know, he has that dead eyed look at someone and the, they, they go, <laughs> all right, cut. And, and Sophie Turner, Sansa goes, Bran, what are you doing? You just really creeped me out and probably addressed him by not his character name when she said it. <laughs> And he goes, oh, I don't wear contacts and I absolutely need glasses, so I can't see you when I'm talking to you. So he's just looking at fuzzy shapes when he delivers lines, which <laughs> is just, why he's got that dead eyed thousand yard stare. Yeah, I just stare <laughs> through you. I can see your past, present and future, <laughs> but I can't. It's all blurry. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with him. I needed one episode that showed me why he's worthy of being king yeah. or like even just a psychic battle with the night king like that distracts him long enough for Arya to sneak up like I, that, they, all that would have been cool they almost set it up because when the night king takes his sweet ass time getting to brand to actually murder him um they have that like weird look exchange where the night king kind of gives him a sideways glance and tries to decide you know before pulling his knife and getting got by Arya. You know, it, it, he, they have that look like, oh, like it, they just have a weird visual exchange. Of course, Night King never says anything and it never turns out to anything. But, uh, you know, if he was targeting Bran this whole time, you'd think he wouldn't take a slow motion 45 minute walk to get, you know, 100 yards to him. And you think he'd just walk up and swipe at him like he yeah. did with the previous Three-Eyed Raven. Again, another character that I don't think they knew what to do with the ending. And again, it's not their fault. But at the same time, it's like the Night King he's the biggest badass in the world. One knife stab kills him the end. And it was just yeah. like, I would have liked a, just a little bit more. And again, the ending doesn't, the, the results don't seem to be the issue. It's the time it yeah. took to get to them. If you had given me one episode to lead up to that, same thing with, you know, the, the descent of Danny into madness. We all knew she was going crazy. Yeah. They, they set it up for seasons and seasons. It would have just been good to see. And I thought the way they could have set that up, would be i thought there, there was an easy setup they could have done where you know in the while she's setting king's landing ablaze after yeah. she quote goes crazy or whatever you can see green fire from wildfire i thought what cersei would have done is when there's the scene where she's bringing all the, the small folk into the city and saying like well now she'll have to to kill all these innocents and she won't do that and so i thought that cersei had used her one trick card like she did in season six and set wildfire traps to where danny is burning you know strategic points and taking out all the scorpions but it sets off a chain reaction of wildfire and wildfire sets the whole city aflame and you can see cersei drinking wine on a balcony watch and being like even though she's won they're always going to blame her for setting the city on fire yeah and that's what sets danny off knowing that like no matter what i do now people are always going to think of me as the destroyer and that's what you know tips her tips the scales that way it would have given you both yeah and, and I, people could in even like john snow and Tyrion could misinterpret it as she set the whole city on fire even though she was kind of innocently trapped into setting the city on fire so it gives her a little bit of leeway while also setting her over the edge and mm -hmm. reaching the same conclusion but a little bit more 
it would make more sense. Provide the rock in the hard place and not just the like straw on the camel's back. It's just, it was just like such a snap decision. Yeah. But man, that face she made when she was like, I'm doing it. I was yes. like, whoa. You could see the turn and you could even, yeah. you could see it coming. You could he, you know, hear the bells and see her being like, I don't care. And I thought there was some good insight in like the after the episode, or maybe it was an interview I read with her where she said that she's looking at the red keep and hearing the bells and she realizes she's won the war. But it's, I guess the explanation is she, it just felt hollow because of everything she had to lose to get it. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't mean anything. So she just wanted to burn everything. And that kind of makes sense. Everything she said makes sense. I like, but I love Show the, me that. Yeah. Show me that a little bit. <laughs> well, and they had that moment where she's like, what's up, nephew? Let's make out. And he's like, mm, I'm good. And she goes, there's no love for me here. Yeah. So fear I, I it is. it's got to be fear. And I, that's badass to me. That's some straight up Frankenstein. If yeah. I can't inspire love, I will cause fear. Like awesomeness. And you know, yeah, we, I just wanted one, like a little bit more development. It's like, they give you one scene that justifies everything. And that just, that isn't development. That's laying a seed, but you don't give it any time to grow before you're like, Hey guys, it's a tree. Let's chop it down. They tried to show, not tell. Cause you can read into, oh, you yeah. know, her advisors were taken away from her one by one by one, all of her friends that she's been with forever, you know, Masande and Jorah and everyone that she yeah. trusted was taken away. And Varys was committing treason and Tyrion was constantly giving her bad advice, which we can go on a whole nother subtopic <laughs> on as soon as they ran out of George R. R. Martin stories for Tyrion. And as soon as they started writing him, Tyrion basically just keeps getting dunked on and, you know, making terrible decision after terrible decision. He basically lost his superpowers of actually being smart once. Yeah. <laughs> once they reached the end of the books. Um, but so she's supposed to lean on Tyrion who keeps telling him terrible advice and you could make an argument that he's trying to keep his family alive and not really help her which he Tyrion is the writers yeah the Tyrion it, it became the embodiment of the writers they're like hey we're, we're trying to give you good advice and we're trying to give you a good show and then everybody just shits on him yeah. for it like no matter what decision he made he's getting shit on so he's like gonna start drinking again so <laughs> I would say the most frustrating part about this final season yeah. for me is actually the backlash to it and I think part of it is it's watched by so many people that it's examined under a microscope and everyone's going to have come out with a think piece on, you know, what this means and what they're trying to show. Yeah. But like the people overreacting to like Danny, like uh, there are a bunch of pieces or a bunch of, I don't know, tweets I saw. And, you know, when during the episode, it's like, oh, well, this, you know, the, this shows misogynistic because it shows that, you know, women can't be trusted because they're all just crazy. And I'm like, come on. I mean, no one's taking one character that's a male and extrapolating everything that you know, extrapolating that and extrapolating what he does and applying it to all males in the world. Like no one's saying like, well, this show just, you know, it, it clearly articulates that all men in the world just want to reanimate the dead and create monsters like yeah. Iburn. Well, you know, it's and, just a crazy thing to do. And somebody was super mad. They're like, oh, all our, all the strong women suddenly were crying weak by the end of the season. And I was like, I, I don't know. Yes. You had an episode where everybody was super sad because all their best friends are dead. Well, I don't want to take away that. Yes, we saw some of our strong characters have moments of weakness. I, I felt I thought it was human and, and I, I didn't think it took anything away. I mean, I mean, you could argue that Sansa won the Game of Thrones. She got exactly what she wanted. She's queen in the north. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't have to deal with a destroyed ass city. Exactly. How, how great is that? You're like, you're like, man, I've always wanted to be queen. And everybody's being like, who should be queen? And I'm looking around this city. I'm like, ooh, there is a massive humanitarian disaster that's about to happen here. This place is messy as fuck. I'm going to leave my crippled brother to clean this up and I'm going to go back to the north well, and queen think it about up there. It, everyone who just had that small council and voted yeah. for Bran to be king and then it got to her and she's like, yeah, we're out. We're seceding. We're going to be our own kingdom. Yeah. And is that okay with you, brother, who's also from this kingdom, who understands where we're so coming bullshit, from? Right? And so, it, like, I saw someone post a question that was just like, well, what's 
what's gonna what are gonna be Bran and Tyrion's first things that they have to deal with and they're like yeah war everyone else is gonna be like yeah we want that deal the Iron Islands aren't gonna be like why the fuck like like yeah. Ari or Yara had a deal with Danny just had her own independent kingdom and bike yeah and she's like oh so the North gets to secede but I'm still just part of this six kingdoms now and everybody is seceding oh yeah. yeah. Oh, but like, there's a couple people who aren't. Her uncle, yeah, <laughs> he's not going to say shit. And titty milk, come um, on, uncle no dumbass way. is fine. And yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, like, it there apparently was, makes you grow big and strong. Because dude, I, suddenly we're like, my wife and I was like, who's this handsome fucker? Who's he's it? like the lost Jonas brother now. I don't know what's <laughs> right? going on. I was like, did they put a Jonas in this thing? <laughs> who is this guy? Oh my god, is that titty milk? Make him fly, mommy, titty milk. Damn, <laughs> vitamins, baby. Like. It was so funny to see that all wrap up and they're like, yeah, I guess we're all good with creepy cripple being a king. Let's do this. You know, yeah, the guy in handcuffs explained it to us very well. (laughs) Can can you imagine like a Westeros hipster? He's like, damn, King Bran. Look at that sweet wheelchair. Is that the same as the old Targaryen wheelchair? Yeah, exactly. Whoa, bro, where'd you dig that up? And he's like, yo, I saw it in the past. It was really dope. I had him build it for me. For somebody who says he doesn't want anything, he sure wanted that vintage-ass wheelchair. He's like, I came all the way here. (laughs) He sure did. I mean, so now that Game of Thrones is over, what do you think are some, like, to somebody who hasn't started yet, our mother-in-law binge watched this thing in three weeks, the entire series. I think that's incredible. And it's like, what are some of the highlights of all eight seasons of this for you? What are some of the moments that stand out as a fan of the books and the show? What are some of the things that totally just kick ass? So uh, so the, I would say the number one highlight and I still think it might be my favorite episode of television is the winds of winter, which is where the episode starts with that wonderful score where Cersei blows up the sap and it's like a 10 minute montage and she sets it a fire with wildfire and kind of ends all threats there. It ends with the reveal or toward the end ends with the reveal where John is Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark's son. And you get the the second end of the tower of joy where you see Ned, you know, holding the baby and then it flashes to John, which for book readers is a long time theory, which I thought I'd stumbled across and was, you know, unique and things like that. And then looked on the internet and I'm like, Oh, I'm dumb. Like a thousand people who've read this book already had that theory. But I would say that that episode start to finish is just fantastic. Uh, so that's definitely a highlight. I think um, watching. Does that have the kid jumping out the window at the end of it, too? Oh, I think so. I think yeah, that's where she blows up the septum and, and Marjorie was in there. And Marjorie. And, and, and he's then like, Tom Tomlin's like, peace. peace out. And he pulls a. <laughs> let's, make it, let's make this King's Landing official. He pulls a bird man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think the, so the early seasons I had read the book, so I knew it was coming. But watching sitting in the room with 10 people while we watched the red wedding and i knew what was coming and they didn't is just astounding in the way they pulled it off and how gut-wrenching and heartbreaking it is is wonderful and my wife walked out of the room twice during the red wedding she oh. just like what because rob stark was her favorite character and i was like "Ooh, that's not good for you it's oh, not bad good for news. you at all oh did you you didn't stoke that a little bit you weren't like yeah he's awesome don't you love rob stark don't no. you think he should I'm be like, like yeah, he's not a point of view character in the book you don't need to don't think too hard he's on it he's not a point of view character <laughs> he's not everything with rob you see through catelyn's perspective yeah. and then she gets killed i'm trying to think what else the mount the the fight between the mountain and the viper is great you mm-hmm. know where you're they're fighting for Tyrion's life and oh it's so good but the, yeah i think there's so many scenes you can go back to i think someone made a smash cut of the so when Bran goes back in the past and he sees the sword fight between Arthur Dane versus who takes on like six guys at once. Yeah. And then it cuts, it cuts. And then that wins a winner scene where you see the second half of it, where John, John, the baby is revealed. 
um, someone cut those two together and it's like the first half's the fight. The second half is John and he gets named King in the North. Mm. And it, for a while I watched it, you know, at least once a week is just like a 12 minute YouTube clip that I just keep going back to. Cause it just Ooh. give me chills every time over and over again. Oh, it's so good. And then of course I can't forget this season. I think that maybe the best scene where I was just shocked and thrilled was Arya's killing the night King. I Rad. think the, the score there is beautiful. Everything about it. Somehow they made, they did the successful creative director maneuver of they made me forget about Arya, and i don't know how that's possible they kept showing everyone that you would think would be the likely suspects like oh danny's gonna come say bran or john's gonna come say bran but he's trapped by a dragon danny and jor are fighting for their lives and the dragon's gone because it flew off with a thousand you know whites on it and i'd completely forgot about Arya until she's leaping through the air and it shocked oh yeah out of nowhere and then i love that she pulled the same maneuver that uh, she switched hands that she used with like she did with brain when they were mm -hmm. you know fighting in the yard oh yeah I, I, I it, it was really good. And I think, you know, that battle is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really dark. I hear you. I hear you. I get it. But it was so that's a feat. Like nobody understands. It was the longest battle ever filmed. Do, and longest do people, battle ever filmed. And do people not understand that, like, despite it being HBO, despite it being Game of Thrones, there's still a budget. Like when you yeah. have all the Dothra Dothraki, you light their Eriks and go riding out and then like the fireflies go out. It creates everything you want it to create. Like yes. you, you feel like, oh, damn, we're we're kind of screwed here. That that did that wasn't effective at all. It's incredible, and and it was one of those things that nobody has ever seen anything like this. This show has continually upped the bar, like up the bar. It started with Blackwater Bay. I had never seen a battle like that. That, that was, was wild, incredible. And then we have the battle at the wall, and that thing was crazy. It was all these spider cams zipping around. And there's the one long shot that's like an astounding, like, here's, we're checking in with yeah. everyone to see how one's Sipping doing. I remember that. Thing. That was great. It's so cool. And then, uh, I mean, my favorite, well, it's tough to say. One of my all-time favorite episodes is Hardhome, where they go north of the wall. Hardhome's great. And I forgot about that. And we see the power of the White Walkers, and it's like the best zombie. It's like what World War Z wishes it was. Yes. Like, Game of Thrones is basically, hey, uh, World War Z, thanks for all that R&D. We got yeah. it now. Yeah, we like what you did. We're going to kind of take that and, you know, turbocharge it. And then the end of the episode is the Night King raising his arms and being like, what up now, bitches? And all the zombies raise again. It was like, damn, these and guys I, are bad news. I was talking with my uh, my other brother-in-law yeah. named Adam, and we we talked about um, the Night King. And it's like, if you were the Night King and you had this unbeatable army of the dead, why would you ever show your face in a battle? Why wouldn't you just show up after it was all done and be like, all right, everyone that was on my team is on my team again. And everyone who's on the other team and died is now on my team. So you guys get to fight again and just we're upping the difficulty. Because I think it shows something about the Night King, at least that the the writers and the showrunners want to do and that's that he is arrogant yeah he is so sure of himself he is so cocky that he's like i'm gonna walk right into this battlefield and yep. in your face raise the dead that, that you thought you killed oh and when he did that in the long night it's like you could see everyone just was immediately screwed because they'd taken such heavy losses and i i just remember like the hopelessness of it like how is anyone going to get out of here because obviously some people are going to get out. because They're not going to end the season at episode three. <laughs> I know three episodes left of King's Landing and Cersei and the Golden Company just dicking around. Yeah. So you knew people were going to somehow get out of there between John and Danny. But you're just like, if this is hopeless, what would you do in this situation? You're just overrun by. <sighs> I wanted more people to die. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people did. It was. But and, and again, they also were able to do something that I, I get it. But I always hate it in movies when they're like, and this is also in all video games, but it's like, if we kill the head vampire, all the other vampires yeah. will turn back. And it's like, really? Like, why? Like, if you kill the Night King, why, do the, why does everybody die? Why, why, why would you have a kill switch on your army? Yeah. Like, 
I think. But why would that kill switch enter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, why don't you just stay out? Because he just thinks he's unbeatable. But if you if you are a kill switch, like to your entire forces, I just stay in the back and let everybody yeah. else take care of it. You know, your undead like, dragon, let him take care of it. Yeah. We win as long as I'm alive. I'm not going to put myself in much danger. All right, guys, I'm going to hang out at this wall. It's nice and chilly. Catch you guys later. Bye. And like, we talked when we talked yesterday about it. I I told you a little bit about what I thought was going to happen. Oh, yeah. And Lay this down, man. This is awesome. So I have again, I'm completely happy with the season. It didn't at all play out the way I thought it was going to. The, the ending was essentially the same as kind of where I thought people were going to end up. Right. But uh, as far as how the long night battle was going to go, I thought it was very good misdirection. So the first two episodes leading up to the battle where, you know, it ends at Winterfell and you, you know, the, the army of the dead's there. And so if you start episode three, what I thought was going to happen is I thought the night King wasn't going to be there at all. I think I thought it was just going to be the army of undead in a hundred thousand against however many are at Winterfell. And so they're fighting there. And then I thought the twist was going to be that you see King's landing and the night King shows up with the undead dragon and King's landing can't do shit about it because they don't have any, they don't have any uh, Valyrian steel. They have those huge scorpions that can take down dragons, but they're not, they don't have any dragon glass, so they oh, can't man. hurt it. And so he just lays waste to King's Landing and yeah. Night King's the one that burns down King's Landing and Cersei realizes I've made a huge mistake and not trusted them, not going to fight North. And so the Night King trashes King's Landing while the army of the dead fights at Winterfell. The good guys pull out a close win at Winterfell, but then at the end of the episode, the Night King lands and raises everyone and they realize oh shit, we got to fight the same battle again with smaller numbers and we have to retreat. And so they go south and then everyone from King's Landing goes north and then they meet, you know, for the final battle of the season would be the army of the dead from King's Landing that the Night King raised is going north behind Cersei and the Golden Company and, you know, the important players from King's Landing while the Starks and Targaryens and everyone that survived the first battle is going south and they meet in the middle and, you know, it's Starks versus Lannisters collided on either side by the army of the dead in just a super battle clash. Oh, that would be so amazing. And I like that version better than, I mean, again, it's easy to be the armchair showrunner when exactly. you, uh, you know, don't have to spend millions of dollars on it. But the thing I like about that and what that sets up is I, we get to see Cersei have the moment that I think a lot of people wanted. I, a lot of people were mad with the way Cersei and Jamie went out. I was... I'm okay with it because that's yeah. real life. We don't, we never get that in real life. And George I, R. Martin is very big on yeah. taking away expectation. You know, Jamie's yeah. Prince Charming who also pushes kids out a window and sleeps with his sister. Yeah. I mean, he's... And, and everybody wanted him to change. Everybody expected that he would go back and kill her or at least get justice. But he was like, no, I'm still in love with my sister. That's who I always will be. Yeah. Oh, man, which makes me think, well, he's sleeping with Bran. He's like, oh, man, actually, I, I really do miss my sister. I should go back and say <laughs> hi. Gross. But like uh, it, in real life, like once in, in our lifetime, we got the we went out and Osama bin Laden. Yeah, we got him. Shot him in the face. We got him. <laughs> it's like that's not real life. Usually they're in their bunker and they shoot themselves in the face. Yeah. Like we the bad guy never gets the just desserts. They, they end up in hiding in Brazil and then they die 30 years later. Like it just it yeah. never is clean. It's messy. It's un unsatisfying the way villains die is 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 only in movies do we get that yeah got a moment and it would have felt it would have felt fan servicey for lack yes. of a better term i mean it would have it wouldn't like you said it wouldn't have been necessarily real as real life as game of thrones could be but that's how it's supposed to be i mean that's the first thing this was kind of my first foray into fantasy novels and i loved it because it wasn't 
you know, the greatest swordsman in the world can beat a hundred people when he fights him. Yeah. It's still just like, yeah, if you're outnumbered four to one, you're going to die because yeah. it doesn't matter how good you are. Four people are going to get you. Well, and, and yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of hero you are. If you are screwed in this world, you're screwed. Exactly. And they, they, they don't take any prisoners to that. And I like that because, you know, I think we've been treated to the Luke Skywalker of it all for years where exactly he's never going to die. Like the, the, one of the hardest parts I have, and, and I think the Harry Potter series did a good job at this, is making you wonder, oh man, is he going to get out of this? But then like when I read recently, I read Ready Player One to get ready to watch the movie. And one of my biggest complaints was it never made me think, oh man, is he not going to get out no, of it? Like, there was no time tension at all. Yeah. It, was just, yeah. it was just fun because I read the book too. And yeah. I was just like, okay, so what's he going to do? But obviously he's going to do something. <laughs> obviously he's going to do something. And, and you know, that's fine. It's a good time. But like Game of Thrones literally made you go, nobody's safe. But I liked, in, and one thing I liked was that in the final battle between Cersei and the Golden Company and, you know, the Targaryen Starks, was that it was a blowout. It wasn't ever really a battle. It was just a one side annihilating the other side, which is how it would be if you had, you know, uh, if you were engaging in middle ages combat yeah. and one side had like an F-15 fighter jet, which yeah. is essentially what a dragon is. It's like, yeah, you can throw sticks at it, but good luck. It's still going to like torch you. There's <sighs> no way you can compete with it. But man, I want to see the ice dragon, the undead dragon, just getting lit up with scorpions, just tons of spears like yeah, on top of them. Oh, how great would it be if he had the spear sticking out of him and he just lands and like impales a bunch of dudes yeah. on the spears and he's just lighting them up with the blue fire like that would have been Completely sick as hell. taking out the city. And, and then you could still have had the the wildfire under the city. It's like, oh, that was a bad idea. Oops. You yeah. Know, I mean, like, and I guess I it would be true to her character if Cersei was brought down by her own kind of misconception of thinking that she's smarter than everyone else and outsmarting herself into um you know, outsmarting yourself into her own end, which is kind of what they're setting up in the books. Yeah. And kind of what happened with the, um, when she had to do the walk of shame and was taken prisoner. It's like, she thought she had the upper hand and then all of a sudden she's there and she's captured. And she's like, Oh, I don't have anyone around me. And I'm stuck with these crazy sparrows who are going to yeah. hold me to some higher standard that I don't believe I should apply to me. That was so gnarly. And I mean, for a show that had been going on for so long and laid so many plots, they wrapped most of them up. I yeah. mean, Again, it was funny because somebody somebody made a list of like they have 80 minutes to hit a million plot points. And I think at the end, it's like, yeah, I got to see what I wanted. I don't feel I don't feel like I have to apologize to somebody watching this and be like, hey, guys, you know, you're going to love most of it. But that last season, I'm like, it's not like Dexter where the last season I was like, sorry, guys, that the last season's going to suck. If you're catching up with it or like, you know, there's so many shows like anybody watching Sopranos like, yeah, but that last episode, I warn you, it's going to make you mad. Like, I don't feel that way about Game of Thrones. So I watched Lost after after Lost had completed and I was warned the whole way through that the ending is disappointing and everything. And so I knew that going in and I watched it and I was like, yeah, right. That's still, it's still pretty good. Like it didn't make, did have problems, didn't have but again, my my expectations were, man, if I'd watched it live, I'd have been furious. Oh, I was. But it was, it was people told me just like the ending is terrible. The ending is terrible. But then I watched it and I was just like, all right, but yeah, the mechanics of it don't make a ton of sense. But it left you with, you know, the feeling of everyone reaching their conclusion. And it yeah. doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's fine. I, I do not envy being the person who has to wrap up a show like, hey, show's over. So make everyone happy now. It's like, oh, no, like it's an impossible <laughs> task. And I mean, again, it's just examined under such a small microscope because so many people are at it that like, how long did it take for one person to find a water bottle or a Starbucks cup on a table somewhere? Instantly, and it's yeah. just like It happened because, you know, when you have, I don't know, 25 million people watching a single episode, you know, they're going to look at every corner of everything and kind of 
So wait a minute, this doesn't really make sense why they would do it this way. And it's just like, yeah, oh. but you're thinking too hard. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking too hard. I mean, and and it's so easy for the internet to be like, hey, I got a better idea. And by popular vote, people go, yeah, you should have done that. Yeah. You should have done what Bong Hitter 420 said. <laughs> he had the best idea ever. And it's like, yeah, that's an easy, easy way to run things. But that's not how things work. Like you have these creative people doing the best they can to tell you the best story they can. And if you're not happy, tough. Into that, I say this isn't your show. Like it's yeah. a show that you should watch, but it's not your show. You're not the writer of it. You're yeah. not the, you know, Benioff and Weiss have their own families and their own lives. And they spent 10 years of this putting it in development. They had to go to George R. Martin and beg him to do it because he intentionally created a book that he knew was unadaptable. Yeah. And at that time, that was it would have been impossible to do this as a movie. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Um, and so he intentionally made a book that he knew couldn't be adapted. And they convinced him to adapt it. And it brought you know him not only probably billions of dollars, but put it all in the rest of our lives. And it's the story they're interested in. They probably, when they did that, didn't anticipate that they were going to outrun the script that they had so far and had to land a ship that was impossible to land, which is why it's taken, I think it's like eight years now since the last Game of Thrones book came out. I wonder how chilly their like meetups are where it's like the the showrunners are like, hey, George, um, how's it come with that book? Yeah. When they're in like season five, when he still had time to finish it, like, so um, you going to tell us how that book's going or you going to finish it? And they obviously love him. And I wonder, and again, I look at all this with rose colored glasses. I I give them the benefit of the doubt all the way. And I wonder if (laughs) some of this is they got clues from george r martin but they either said that we don't have time to go in that direction there are plot lines that were abandoned for the show and they're you know just for brevity because there's more characters that are important in the books and things like that but there are i wonder if george martin gave them some of the character like i wonder if he explained more about brand and they said we don't really care about that as much we're going to leave that for like i wonder if they left him material for the books to keep the books interesting because they respect him so much and again i have no idea yeah it's just i would think that Maybe they got some more ideas because I think uh, I was told that they he gave them four nuggets, uh, you know, once they were going to once he knew that they were going to wrap up his story. And I think one of them was probably the door, which is Hodor's reveal. Yeah. And everything going back in time. I think it's probably the Danny going crazy and burning King's Landing. And I think I don't know what the other two are. I'm sure it was. So when they first met with George, have you heard this story? The when he they, they gave him this pitch on what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do a show. And his first question to them was, who do you think John Stark's mother is? And so that was like, that was the test question to see, are you really a fan of the show? Have you, have you given read the it books? any yeah. thought or are you just going through the motions? Cause you saw this fantasy. How many and- Iron Maiden songs can you name <laughs> wearing that shirt? You think you're a fan? Exactly. Yeah. And so I think they get, and then they said they answered and he just smiled. And then they started talking about, you know, how to make it happen. Wow. And so they passed the test. And so they, they are fans of the show, yeah. but they also have lives and families. And I'm sure they didn't want to do this for another five years where they're filming in multiple locations around the world. Cause <laughs> well, I think David Benioff's married to Amanda Pete. Yeah. And well, and so they, they, they also got offered star Wars. So they were like, peace yeah. out. Game of Thrones, star Wars, y'all. If they could bring a little more, cause I love rogue one for the fact that it was a more adult star Wars. Yeah, and I, I actually really enjoyed solo because it was a little more, adult themes there was certain aspects of it that i thought made it a really entertaining movie you know i, I know everybody's like oh, solo wasn't harrison Ford. well it was never going to be harrison no, Ford. So get it's over the it. possible standard to live up to if they called that star wars smuggler movie you would have loved it. exactly anyway it's like 
you know, they, they want to do other stuff. I would have liked a couple more episodes this season. Of course. I think if you take the same storyline and you give it, you know, make episodes or season seven, 10 episodes instead of seven and season um, eight, 10 episodes instead of six, yeah. you know, you give seven more episodes for time to built in. You, you have time to let it breathe and you could see Danny's further descent. You could see brand developing as a character and see qualities that be like, oh, yeah, he would make a good king. And then if you think about it, he probably would. He's basically a robot who knows everything. Yeah. If you're looking for someone to decide between two high lords, like which one's in the wrong and which one's in the right, he can go back in time and look at the events and be like, yeah, you were a dick. We're giving the land to this guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can settle all claims without much dispute. <laughs> settle not- <laughs> all claims with vague riddles. Yeah, and he's got he does he's not going to favor anybody or anything like that, other yeah. than his sister. He let the seed, but, <laughs> but like <laughs> to titty milk's dismay. There's no um, argument for succession because he's not going to have children. So yeah. I think it's. I think it's a good decision. I think it, it makes uh, sense. I just hated Bran because every time I was like, "Next episode, next episode, they're gonna they're gonna make me like him." Next episode, he's not gonna did fuck you, off. Morgan. Were you surprised when they were like, "We're gonna name Bran King"? Um, no, I was kind of like, "Yeah, of course you are." So before the season came out, I forget what sports book, but they came out. They released odds on who's gonna sit the Iron Throne at the oh, end shit. of the season. Really? And the favorite before the season, before we knew anything about the season, the favorite was Bran. What? Again? Yeah. So it was so off the wall that. You know, if you saw those odds, you would think something fishy is going on because, you know, you would think Danny or John or Sansa or the Night King or Tyrion or he would be like your ninth choice, probably. Yeah. And so he was the favorite. And so it was obvious that someone had inside information and didn't want to give good odds for this, what would be perceived as an underdog, too. Wow. And so I knew going in, like going into the last episode, I was like, yeah, Bran's going to be king. It's going to be Bran. So here's a question. At the end of the series, at, at the last shots, we see kind of who's who's up to what. And we see, you know, Bran's ruling. Arya is on a boat. She's going to go pirate. And I would watch that show 100%. West of Westeros. Yes. And we have Sansa is Queen of the North. I'd watch that show, too. Um, but if it, only if it was like a funny comedy. It's like, dun, 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 <laughs> she's Queen of the North. Um, and then we see John with the wildlings going north of the wall. What is your thoughts on that? Is he leaving the Night's Watch and saying, fuck it, I'm going to go live with Who the wildlings? Who is the Night's Watch anymore? Yeah, right. What are they watching? The, the, they're all dead. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could argue a couple things that he's going north of the wall to range because, you know, the, the Night's Watch sent rangers north of the wall. But okay. I don't think there are any Night's Watch people left. I, th- I mean, they, I think they tidied it up cleanly by saying, like, let's send the Night's Watch back to Winterfell, there's no use guarding a wall that yeah. has already been breached. And that's why you saw Dolores Ed come back and get got and things like that. I, I think a better question is how come no one's ever brought up that Sam was a member of the Night's Watch and he's now Grand Maester? He still has a vow to give his life to the Night's Watch. <laughs> just like they kind of skip past that. Just like, well, you've got a kid now, so we're going to let you out. Like, sure, Bran can be like, yeah, I release you from your vow and things like that. There's an explanation, but I. But you're supposed to live your life on the wall. And so he just kind of skipped out on that. And no one batted an eye at it. Well, and I also bet Grand Maesters have also signed a vow of chastity or whatever. Yeah, sure. Poverty, whatever it is. I'm sure he's not supposed he's to have kids. He's not big on he? vows. He's good at finding <laughs> loopholes. Um, <laughs> he's just George R. R. Martin in but, character form. <laughs> but I really think that in that that was actually a, a, a theory that people had that like, oh, at the, in the books that at the end of it all, Bran's going to write the Song of Ice and Fire that chronicles the history of these oh, it wars. it was always going to be Sam. Yeah, and so when they act, he actually lays the book on the table and it's called A Song of Ice and Fire and he's like, oh, I hope this 
the maester with his title yeah you know which is a callback to two seasons ago it's just like yeah all right that checks out Ugh. you're the george r, r. martin avatar in the story anyway it, it made everybody roll their eyes hard like i felt twitter just like collectively roll over <laughs> when that happened they were like oh meta and it's like what what did you think was going to happen if if you didn't think that by the end of it they would just shut that book and be like song of ice and fire like well, he's Tell a Tolkien fan. It's yeah. straight out of Lord of the Rings. It was always going to happen. It happened in, in, yeah, it happened in Lord of the Rings. It was, all, we were always going to see the book. I don't know why people didn't think that was happening. I thought it was gonna, like, when people were like, how's it going to end? I was always like, it's going to pull out of a computer screen and George R. R. Martin's going to turn to the camera and go, you're going to have to read the book if you want to know how it ends. We had a couple, um, me and my friends had this uh, game where we were saying what would be the most, un- would be make you the maddest at the ending. <laughs> and I think one of the, one of the favorites was at the end of it all, Bran opens his eyes and it's when he falls and he's just at the bottom of the tower in episode one. <laughs> and he's just like, that was crazy. <laughs> so this all plays out and it's just a dream that he had like St. Elsewhere. Oh, the St. Elsewhere ending. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> People are like, yes, that would do it. That would make the internet explode. Uh, Sorry, I got off on a tangent. No, but you, that's hysterical. Uh, with John though, I think he's probably going to go live with the wildlings. I don't know what the purpose of a night's watch is anymore yeah. when, unless there's some, that the, the the thread of the others is going to build up again and there's going to be another night king in another century or whatever the timeline is they didn't like you said they didn't really explain the purpose of that um but i mean he just said there's always going to need to be a place for bastards and criminals and it's like okay it's called jail or like something (laughs) like what else is it going to be you know i don't know we're going to send him to an abandoned castle up in the north and then Nah, he's nope. gonna get to hang out like it doesn't seem like a punishment for him he's kind of like oh yeah i kind of wanted to go here all along anyway and i again nitpicking whatever i think it, it, sure. it ends up the same but i would think that something that would have been more satisfying would be if he was confronted instead of it being like oh we're banishing you to the night's watch if he was just like if it was more of his decision if he was if john's was saying that i've told you a hundred times i don't want the throne i had to kill the woman i love to yeah. be in this position and i don't deserve it i'm going north of the wall that's where i belong i'm renouncing my claim and going north i think that would be a more powerful ending instead of being essentially talked into killing danny yeah by Tyrion and Arya and sansa and then taking a criminal sentence to go where he probably wanted to go anyway oh he was totally peer pressured everybody's like kill your girlfriend dude kill your girlfriend it's like she's my aunt even better just kill her dude come on do it and he did and then yeah he needed to make that decision and i would have loved to see him and gray worm have just a couple couple clashes just yeah. i want to see them have like give me a few minutes of a fight with them it's, that would have been and it's so funny because you know he stabs danny and then drogon grabs her and flies off and whatever but you know <laughs> the throne. he could have he could have just walked out and been like oh she flew off to go look at new lands but big dumb dumb john you know walked out and was just like yeah i killed her <laughs> <laughs> i killed her here's my sword Take, put my hands drogon shows that he he knows uh symbolism real well he's like yeah. i know symbolism bah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love the meme that like sees the knife just like pointy knife bastard and melts the whole throne <laughs> like that's what that's yeah, what assaulted that's what her off, yeah that's super never funny. again <laughs> i think it wrapped up well again i it, all our nitpicky things it's easy when you're uh hindsight and when you're behind a twitter handle it's easy to uh give the showrunner shit but we since we're in a game of thrones post game of thrones era like the biggest show ever on tv is done what's next what is your prediction for what what are people going to latch onto next whether it's a show that exists or show that should exist do you think people are tired of the sword and sandals do they need something else are we still in that 
in that world where people would eat up another another medieval show. I mean, I think it's a couple things. I think if we've learned anything from like the Marvel universe. You don't people don't get fatigued with this stuff. And I say that and I'm completely fatigued with superhero movies. Yeah, right me now. too. I, I still have not seen Endgame. There's just so many that come out that I just can't keep up and my bandwidth is only so much for what I care about. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, they're going to make the spinoff series, which is going to come out. I think people are going to immediately latch onto that and probably fade initially because hopefully they do a slow build like they did with Game of Thrones. If you rewatch season one, season one is slow. It's kind of boring. It's interesting, but it's not not great like that. But I think there's going to be other shows that people latch on to. Like, um, I think Amazon's got the Lord of the Rings series that's going to come out. I think, uh, is it the, what's the show that's coming out on Disney Plus, the Star Wars show with... Um, is it the Mandalorian? The Mandalorian, yeah. What's yeah. The, the, the main guy? Yeah, that guy. That guy. Well, I think it's, I think it's about him, mm -hmm. but, um, I think people are going to latch onto those, but I think some of it gets killed by like Netflix shows like stranger things. I think it's a huge, yeah. at least within people I know gets a huge following, but, but since they're all released at once, it's not going to have the, the same week to week following because some people are going to be on episode four and some people are going to be finished with it in a day. And so there's not going to be the same week to week conversation and predictions and things about that, about, you know, what 11 crew are up to this week. Yeah. Something the writers on walking dead were talking about is like, it used to be everybody's like, Oh man, did you see this episode of, of uh, breaking bad? Oh man, did you see? like, everybody watched the same shows. And now that we live in this massive media expanse, nobody's watching the same shows. And that week to week conversation the Game of Thrones is one of the only shows that had that, except I couldn't do it with Matt. And it's, <laughs> and it's, because, it. you, it's because you had to watch because otherwise yeah. it was going to be spoiled the next day. But when yeah. everyone's watching different shows, you're not having the, like if I don't watch, we, I watch almost nothing live except Game of Thrones just yeah. because I'll, I'll watch it the following day and when I have a, a moment or something like that. But because it's not, we're watching, I don't know what's on HBO, like we're watching Chernobyl, but I'm not worried about logging on to Twitter and having spoiler, Chernobyl yeah. ruined for me. They all die. Yeah, yeah exactly. Spoiler alert. There's not the same rush to, there's not the same need to watch it at the same, yeah. watch it live. That's true. I mean, that was the thing is it, it drew everybody to the couch Sunday nights and anybody was like, Hey, you want to have a barbecue Sunday night? It's like, hell no, you crazy game of thrones. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But I mean, overall, I still give it a massive thumbs up. I think yeah, in course. a few years, once the hype dies down of it being over, nobody's going to care about the the minutia of how it, it ended. It ended well. It, it gave you what you wanted. It told the story. And I think anybody watching it now is still going to be like, whoa. I mean, the Battle of yeah. Bastards, that is one of the coolest battles you will ever see. And this show gave me some of the coolest battles exactly. I ever saw. And it's like just the pinnacles of of VFX, of acting, of just visual media. It is the pinnacle. I think before this, you have, you know, the Hobbit series. Those those movies were incredibly big and just that scope. And I think this is the, the next tier. And, you know, yeah, we didn't have a lot of goblins and stuff, but it gave me dragons and it yeah. gave me fantasy, but it put it in a package that was for adults. It kept me riveted and kept me coming back to the couch every Sunday night. And to get my wife on board with some Dungeons and Dragons shit Same for here. eight years, amen. Thank you, Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. And it's it's like you said, it checked every. I mean, the acting is superb in it throughout. The writing is really good. I mean, especially in the later seasons, I can you can kind of see that every conversation they have not only has to accomplish levity and entertainment and just keeping viewers engaged, but it also has to give backstory and hints and things. So they have to every line of dialogue has to have at least two meanings because they have to condense it all and this. They only have so much limited time to do it that it's, it has to, you know, when, like when Santa turns to 
when they're in Winterfell and goes, well, what do dragons eat? And Danny goes, well, whatever they want. That's like simultaneously like a laugh. And it's simultaneously like, oh, Danny's kind of like, fuck these northerners. I do what I want. I've got dragons and you need me and I'm your queen. I mean, it tells so much in just one line of dialogue. That one line of dialogue, I was laughing my ass off because it was funny. But I also was like, what if she said something absolutely fucking ridiculous? Like taquitos. Now you have to build a microwave. You have to invent a microwave. Bran will help you figure that one out. And we need taquitos. Lots and lots of taquitos. You know, it's like, what? I don't even know what that is. Like, you'll love them. They're a little ahead of their time. I mean, yeah, I think it's fucking phenomenal. So here on the Launchpad Podcast, we are a pulp culture countdown, and we were really bad about counting things down every week, but we're going to count this down. So we're going to decide our top five Game of Thrones episodes, and we'll be right back. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, so we're back with our pulp culture countdown, the best five episodes of Game of Thrones. Brian, I'm going to give you number five. What is the fifth best episode of Game of Thrones. I'm going to go with the longest battle ever filmed in The Long Night, where yeah. Arya gets the Night King glued to my TV screen the whole time. There may be six lines of dialogue in the whole episode, but it's wonderful. It's amazing. And like that scene, that scene, you know, I, I'm a VFX supervisor. I love watching shows for their VFX and Game of Thrones never disappoints. But there was a moment where John is running through a courtyard and the, the white dragon is burning things down behind him. And I was like, I, I, I don't I don't know how you're doing this right now. And in the behind the scenes, it's a flamethrower on a crane just burning <laughs> things down. I was like, well, that's that. My favorite part about that scene that. is you could see John's thought process because he's like, all right, I'm going to time this right so I can run and stab the dragon. And he turns and takes five steps and the dragon turns and looks right at him. And he goes, oh, shit. Turns oh, right around back and goes behind the wall. <laughs> and and this, that battle did some of the best things where it was like intense battle, intense battle. And then Arya sneaking through a library such a quiet it's moment. like there's just a horror movie right in the middle of the right in the middle of this huge battle it was wonderful amazing what a great episode awesome so at number four i'm gonna go with the hmm, battle of blackwater bay because that was the first time yeah. that was one of the first times i was like game of thrones did not come to play we get to see Tyrion be a badass we get to see a boat fight where people are on fire with green fire I was so on board with it. What a great episode. Really kicked off the series for me to the next echelon of like, yeah, I'm definitely tuning back in. Because up until that point, like it hadn't been super magic. Like it hadn't been, we don't even really have all the dragons yet. Yeah. But that episode showed me that this had a scope that you weren't prepared for. And I loved it. Uh, I'm going to go number three. I'll go. I referenced it earlier, but the wind's a winner, I think is a, just a fantastic episode as far as setting things on course. It ends with, um, you know, the reveal that John's king in the north. I think it also ends with Danny setting sail finally for Westeros. So she's on her way home with the with an armada. She ties things up in Marine and has her dragons flying in this huge army. She's on a boat with the the Queen of Thorns, who got didn't get enough mentions in this podcast today, is just being <laughs> like a great barb in the side of everyone and perfect comic relief. But she's there with Tyrion and Varys and the Sand Snakes and uh, the Greyjoys, and she's got her whole crew on her way to Westeros, and Cersei blowing up the Sept and kind of taking charge in King's Landing as first of her name, and Jamie returning to her from uh, wherever he was at River Run and everything yeah. like that. It really set the, set the stage for the final two seasons. Yeah, really great episode. Um, I was so bummed because I wanted Marjorie to long live, and I, I was <laughs> like, oh man, she could, I could see her sitting on the throne. She seems pretty cool. Boom, gone. Oh man. Um, badass VFX, too. That was a great episode. That big explosion. Um, that in the fire under the sept is like the guys like trying to blow it out and then it blows up. Boom. So cool. So at number two, I'm going to give it a tie. It was so hard to decide between hard home, the giant, like 
one of the greatest zombie sequences you've mm-hmm. ever seen uh, on on screen. And then the Battle of the Bastards, which next to the Long Night, uh, the Winter Battle of the Winterfell, that thing is uh, just an insane battle. The horses, the piles of corpses. When I was watching the Battle of the Bastards, you just feel like you couldn't breathe. I literally was a moment where I went, <gasps> oh my God, I haven't been breathing for two minutes because Jon Snow is dying under, and he's already just came back to life and he's dying again. Like, cut right. this out, Game of Thrones. Like, just the piles of corpses. It was, I think, one of the most realistic battle scenes we've ever seen. Full daylight. You could see this one, but uh, I, I, one, I love My it. one argument with that is that Rickon doesn't know how to run in not a straight line. <laughs> he could just zig or zag. That would be yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I mean, and... Like, just cut back to the to the uh, the John Snow side, and everybody's waving their arms like this way, this way. No, no, go that way. Go. You can turn around and look. And you're like, okay, that one arrow's coming. I'm gonna yeah. step to the left and keep yeah. walking backwards, and I'm gonna step to the right. Right, just run, <laughs> run backwards. Anything like, yeah, everybody just like waving their hands like zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. And he's just like, what? 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 Dead. <laughs> but I love Hard Home too, and Hard Home was it was surprised everyone. It was out of nowhere. No one, you know, you knew John Snow was going there to. Uh, you know, talk to the wildlings, be like, hey, you need to come fight for our side. And I'm doing this against everyone's wishes on my side because. Yeah, you thought that was the dangerous part. Yeah. Was that, how am I going to talk? How am I going to side with Tormund and get these strangers to come fight with us? And then it's just out of nowhere, crazy zombie. And you see for the first time the power of the Night King raising his hands and saying, come at me, bro. <laughs> come at me, bro. Oh, man. And like when you first see them, you're like, well, good thing they're up there. And then it was like, yeah, they're just oh, they're Waterfall. just ants running off the side of a cliff and then getting up. And you're, oh, this is horrifying. Blew my mind. What and then a I great think that sequence. was another episode where they did the silent credits, where it just cut to black and they just had credits with no sound. You're just like, ah, uh, what happens yeah. now? Yeah, none of that jaunty music. Man, incredible. So that's number two. Oh, that was two. Tie, was so two. I think number one, it it's not probably not many people's favorite episodes, but I think it's the most defining episode in Game of Thrones yeah. because it kind of lets you know what we're in for. And that's the Red Wedding, of course. The, of course. I think the ep- actual episode name is the Reigns of Castamere. But yep. of course, it's known as the Red Wedding where Tywin Lannister shows his true power and how he was always the one behind the scenes writing letters and getting more done with a with a quill than you could get done with swords and shields and things like that and uh i think the the fallout of all that is, and there's a great quote and, and when you really think about it and i think tywin lannister is another wonderful character who didn't get enough run on this podcast because we were mostly talking about the last season but yeah there's a the, a quote from him where he's talking to Tyrion. Tyrion's like they killed you know they they violated guest right and they killed him at you know over dinner they were it's betrayal it's it's dirty and he's like tell me why it's worse for you know 10 people to die at a dinner than it is for a hundred thousand to die in a battle. Tell, explain to me the logic of that. Yeah, and just like yeah, yeah, I kind of get it. You're you want to win, and you're not the one stuck, you know, holding the the, the smoking gun here. It's all lands on the Freys who are untrustworthy at best, anyway. Oh, uh, then they 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 got Titus Andronicus so hard, baked his kids into a pie and mm. fed it to him. Bad ass. But like, yeah, that episode, I didn't see it coming. I hadn't read the books. I had no clue. And you're like, so good. Rob Stark, pretty cool dude, pretty cool guy. Oh man, I, I like North. a party. What a great ending. This is gonna be everybody's gonna have a good time. Dead. Oh, and George R. Martin, in, again, that's they do such a good job where he's like the scene before he's plotting. He's like, oh, this is how we can cripple them. We'll take Casterly Rock. This we have this plan in place. This is how we're gonna get the Lannisters. We're gonna go west when they expect us to go somewhere else, and we're gonna take Casterly Rock and take their homeland. And that's how we'll we'll cripple the Lannisters and gain support. And so you're like, yeah, he's got a plan. Things are going well. well and, nope. and you told me he, he, he gives Jon Snow a name like he, he oh, yeah. and, legitimizes and him in the books. He le- it's after 
Bran and Rickon, they believe, are dead because they believe Theon killed him when Bran and Rickon are on the run. So Rob thinks Bran and Rickon are gone, and though, so he knows his heir, his legal heir right now is Sansa. And so he has a conversation with Catelyn. He said, I think I need to legitimize Jon because if anything is to happen to me in battle, then Sansa's going to be the heir to the, the North, and the, she's married to Tyrion Lannister right now. So the Lannisters would hold the North and we'd lose everything. I need... We need John. And of course, Catelyn never liked John because she thought it was Ned's bastard son. Yeah. And um, she's against it. But there is a conversation in the book. And so you think like, oh, John's finally going to get off the wall. I knew he wasn't going to be stuck there forever. And he gets to come join the fight, which is what he wants to do. And nope, it just snatched right away from you. Oh, man. Brutal episode. Uh, was that a silent ending, too? I think it had to have been. <laughs> yeah, it was. It goes with Cat, Catelyn screaming and then getting her throat cut and then just black. Just black. And yeah, I, I, I told, can't imagine it just be like... Dun, 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 so I told you that in the books, it's even more awful. And I apologize for spoiling things for, for book readers, but I guess you know how it's going to play out anyway. But in yeah. the books, you remember Arya finally makes it back to, to Rob and her mother. And she's at the wedding. She's outside with the hound and they're yeah. getting ready to go in. Then they lock the doors and they can't get in. Then they see all these dark people killing, getting killed. And Arya starts to run away. And the chapter ends with the hound, like running her, running after her. And it ends with her saying the last thing she felt was the ax hitting the back of her head. And so you think she gets got too. you think Arya's dead and Rob's dead and Catelyn's dead and everything. And of course, it turns out like the, the hound just knocked her out with the back of the ax and then yeah. carried her off because he knew she was going to do something stupid to try to save her family and wasn't going to work out. So he got her out of there instead. But it, it's just so gut wrenching in the books that you don't even know what to do with yourself. Hundreds of pages before you're like, oh, she didn't. Yeah, die? And then like 100 pages later, it's another Arya chapter because the, the books are told, told from different people's point of view. Right. To wrap it up, what is your dream dream spinoff? I'm actually interested, and this is partially because I've read everything about the world that I can, so yeah. I know a lot of what happens. I think uh, a Tywin Lannister story would be good about the rise of Tywin Lannister because he's got a, a really rich and interesting story about his his dad was a pushover and kind of yeah. brought the family down, and he had to be ruthless and brutal and bring it back up, and also his relationship with the Mad King, who was handed the king, and there was a fallout, and it, the raising of his kids where he could turn to blind eye to everything that was happening between Jamie and Cersei and didn't know about it. I think that would be really cool. Um, I, I'm actually, after this season ended, I would be interested in seeing something that takes place a hundred years after this series, just seeing something that is completely new, completely original. You kind of, you can have references to the fallout to the, the song of ice and fire and the long night and just see, you know, kind of hear how everyone's stories ended just kind of in, in references from other characters saying like, Oh yeah, Jon Snow became the King beyond the wall and, you know, partnered with Sansa to overthrow uprisings from Northern Lords or something like that. You know, the King beyond the wall and the, the queen in the North partnered up and Arya discovers that, you know, there's this Island that Arya discovers or something, you know, you could do a lot of fun things where it references our, our beloved characters. So I'd like to see something maybe two generations removed from where this story wraps up. I think that would be good. I mean, there are so many, good stories about the i think i think what they'll probably do and they would be silly not to do it are the targaryen civil wars because that would get dragons fight you know dragon rider fighting dragon uh, rider and you, you see could, how casterly rock melted yeah and you could see uh, yeah see how harrenhal gets completely melted see how all of the you know but you could show the the, the books that i've read that are background on the world are all about they're written from like a historian's perspective they're not first person they're not they just kind of T detail events 
but it would be interesting to see how just like a everyday person in King's Landing is dealing with like every day there's a different dragon attacking the city yeah. and like you know the, these cousins are fighting each other warring warring for the throne and there's so many cool like intricate stories so I I think that's probably what they'll do and I would of course see that too so I gave three answers yeah because I think anything in this world is wonderful because it's such a cool it's so his, rich. it's so, yeah. ri- so rich. rich in history and background and everyone belongs everywhere else and it's fun to do the deep dives and say oh wait does this house this wait the martels and the tyrells they hate each other right why is that and yeah. you know just different houses and why they've had a history of feuds and things like that i want to see a buddy cop spinoff yes where the hound and aria just go around fucking shit the hound and aria killing co yeah yeah just just them like and it's like in between this and in between that like in between when they leave uh king's landing and when they land in uh back at winterfell you know when they get or well when she leaves him to die on a rock <laughs> just them kind of going around like town to town like that old hulk tv show where like he shows up at a town and like saves a kitten and beats the shit out of some bad guys yeah. like i want to see that where they go and they like steal food and fuck dudes up and it's just like this awesome buddy cop movie i think you could also have a, a good like fish out of water where it's gendry being the lord of storms in and then being like oh we've got this problem with uh, our grain supply what should we do and him just being like yeah i can't read i'm used to like hitting an anvil because i'm a i'm a I'm not even i'm just an apprentice armor and i'm sitting here for some reason you guys i, I really don't deserve this we title. need to hire better staff <laughs> that would be hysterical yeah i think there's so many great opportunities for spinoffs but Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, my um, pleasure. I can't wait to see where, where they go with it. I can't wait to find the next show that I'm going to binge on. I'm hoping His Dark Material is worth watching. I love so. His Dark Materials. I've read that series. It's very oh, yeah? good. Gonna be good? All right. I hope so. Uh, we'll see what happens next. In the meantime, guys, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Guys, we have tons of stuff still coming up. We have a lot of back backlog stuff that Matt and I have recorded, a lot of special guests coming up. Well, Matt's having a baby while I'm working on The Walking Dead. It's going to be awesome. Keep it up. Let us know what you thought about Game of Thrones. Were you a fan of the ending or were you one of those people who was like, no, it didn't end the way I want it. It sucks. I hate it. Well, get on Twitter and tell everybody how yeah, much you it watched sucked. every second. Yeah, you watched every second. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's like, I can't believe I wasted all, all eight years of my life. It's like, you didn't waste shit. You spent all that time on your couch. You weren't going anywhere anyway. You were on Reddit the whole time yeah, reading about the theories. You were still going to be on the couch anyway. You didn't miss out on anything. So, Brian. We finish up the show with a secret high five. I'm going to show you how you do it. We come in aside, whoosh, and then we turn our hands sideways like a rocket ship, and we blast off with a raspberry. You ready for this? All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Whoosh. Nice. Awesome. All right, guys. This has been the Launchpad Podcast, and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one.